Let's go out to the Toilet of Hollywood guest line. Shop for 1500 Toys indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toilet of hey. Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. I'm assuming Seth's good to go. Seth is there. Seth Levin from the Fish Tank Podcast <laughs> is joining us here on the show. And Leroy's here oh, on time, Seth. Hey, all guests. Hey, Seth, all guests will enjoy a, a holiday treat. We will send you a fruitcake. <laughs> so you can enjoy it with your family. I can't hear him. We can't hear him. Hey, Marcos, you got his uh, levels up there, dude? Yeah? No connection, no sound? Let's see if we can get him uh, reestablished there. Hmm. It's him. There he is. Wait. I'm here. There you are. There you go. Did you have his levels down, Marcos? No, he pushed the button on his mic. I saw him. I did, and then everything disappeared, so it wasn't that. I don't know what it was. doesn't matter. What matters is now. Tell me more about this fruitcake. So, listen. Fruitcake. Uh-huh. You don't like you like fruitcake? I mean, I like gifts and I like food. <laughs> Have you ever tried fruitcake? Have you ever had fruitcake? I've probably had every possible holiday dessert pastry well, you could have. The only place you would get this is either a parent or a grandmother's house. If you go okay. to a friend's house, <laughs> you will not have fruitcake. It's basically okay. it's basically a cake. With jujubes and nuts in it. <laughs> That's all you need to know. But, but where did it come from? There's got to be <laughs> fruitcake was designed by old people, bro. No, I don't mean the history. I don't <laughs> need to know the etymology of fruitcake. I'm saying, why is that fruitcake there with you now? And because I'm making. We're, we're gonna ta- we're gonna taste is, we're yeah. gonna taste the fruitcake. He's got he has some an obsession. He's got some fascination exactly. with us all trying <laughs> fruitcake, which none of us Wait, have a desire to eat. No, no, no. When this started, everybody was in. No, we weren't. No, yes, you were. Leroy, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm in. Leroy, I'm going to tell you right now. Nobody was in on this bit. You said, we're doing it. And we're like, all right. Nobody was in on this bit. You're just like, oh, we're trying it. Because you have this fascination, fascination with uh, fruitcake. I was in for I'm the in. laughs. I don't. I'm, I'm don't. All right. Okay. I got you, so, Leroy. Hey, so I'm going to start this off. You, did you hear what Javon Holland had to say? About uh, I actually fans. did happen to. Uh, he was disappointed at the fan, the flip flopping, and and the reaction. Right. right? Is that what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Me, I'm about to choke. And he to- was distraught. He was laying on right. the floor of wherever upset. he was. He was like hiding in the closet. He was distraught, uh, and he was disappointed. I'm about to choke Tobin out because he, for some reason, I tried to explain to him. Javon Holland's been here two years. Uh-huh. They've had a winning record for each of the two years. Yeah. Why would he give a rat's ass what happened 20 years ago and what's been happening for 20 years? Stop taking your pains and your woes out on guys don't know have no idea what you've experienced. Right. And I think that's where the players come from sometimes. When you go to a player, like if you go to Tua and say, well, you haven't done this in over 20 years. I'm like, okay, Tua's like, yeah, I was five. Right. Like, why? Why? Even if they had, do you think even if they had that perspective, they would care and want that? Like, either you're riding with me or you're not. Right. But that's my point. But but that's my point that, like, that so many people down here have gone, uh oh, here we go again. Right. But you're eight and five. Yep. You, you, like, okay, the difference between the best team in the entire NFL Mm -hmm. and where you are. It's not that big of a difference. Okay, the thing I would say to that though, with the fans, and by the way, I think the Dolphins are going to bounce back. I just want this clear. I'm not. I'm not rats off a ship, which you seem to be. Uh, uh, you seem to be uh, putting on me. I'm not. 
Uh, there's a difference between fans being disappointed in a performance and being rats off a ship. And I would say, yeah, 22 years since a playoff win and that December swoon all too familiar. And I think the thing that's got people probably a little shook is the idea that this team, the thing they've been able to count on, especially in that win streak, was that offense looked unstoppable. And now these last two weeks, it's looked inept. And we're like, what the hell is this? So, yeah, I could definitely understand the fans like starting to have the horrors of the past come up on them. I get that, but you do know you're playing. You're not playing by yourself. You're playing against another team. And the first week against San Francisco, you're playing against the best defense in the league, right? Yeah, so here's here's what I would say, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're, you're not. Things. Uh, okay. <laughs> you were done. Perfect. Yeah. So, okay, have some fruitcake on me. So <laughs> a couple things here is that, that number one, I think – understanding what you're saying there, Tobin, about, you know, the, the here we go again, the battered fan base, the disappointment, December swoon, we've seen this movie before. I get all that. And if that is what you're feeling now, well, ultimately fans can feel whatever they want. You'd right. like for everybody to be respectful. That's not realistic. But, um, you know, fans can certainly feel whatever they want to feel. And I understand that. I think that perhaps what Javon Holland, and I don't know, uh, but maybe what some other people are taking issue with is like, well, wait a minute. If three weeks ago you thought Tua was the MVP of the league, you can't be completely off the Tua train. You can be disappointed with the performance. Yes. You can mm-hmm. be like, oh, no. You know, I heard Joy. Uh, Joy was on speaking. She goes, Dolphins are going to Dolphin. And I, and I understand that philosophy or why people feel that way. But to me, that if all of a sudden you think a player who was – one of the best players in the entire National Football League all of a sudden can't play, that this is the real guy, then, I, you know, I could see where people would find that problematic. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, and the games are going to have to be played, and we'll see what the results are. What was disheartening, and going to the second thing, they did play the number one defense in the league, and there were plays to be made. Right. It was off that game. We talked about this here in the show. I was like, look, I think it's an aberration. I don't think that was a reflection upon Tua. And quite honestly, even though he wasn't perfect against San Diego, I think if Tua was as on target against the Niners as he was against San, uh, San, uh, San Los Angeles. Sorry. Oh, Los Angeles. Listen, that city uh, doesn't Los care Angeles. either. I saw all the um, Dolphins fans there. <laughs> as Against the Chargers, they, they probably could have beaten San Francisco because guys were running wide open. What was disheartening is you're playing the number 30-ranked defense yes. in the entire National Football League who was playing a bunch of guys who are backups, and they're still getting paid. They're still professional football players. Respect. But they're playing against the top two wide receivers in the league. They're playing against an MVP candidate. They're playing against one of the most explosive offenses in football, and they really struggled. It looked like there was just this giant blanket over it, the Dolphins' well, offense. How much, so I think that's why guys were were, were fans were he, really kind of like, what is going on? How much do you buy into Mike McDaniel made the point yesterday? He thinks some guys on the team are pressing. How much do you buy into that, that, the, that these are very important games and that – guys trying a little too hard, not playing as loose as they were early in the season because the stakes are raised. How much do you think that's maybe had an effect on uh, their performances? Well, he would know better than I. He sees them every day, sees them in meetings, sees them in practice, and certainly the performance, and he knows what to expect. He's seen the the 10,000 reps of each guy as opposed to what we just see on Sundays. Um, you know, Leroy could probably answer better than I could have, but I, I think pressing is a real thing. I mean, you'd like to think everybody's professional. You'd like to think everybody has quote unquote been here before, but a lot of these guys are young. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys have, you know, Tyree kill has been there before he's been to the mountaintop. 
not everybody has. Right. And so it is realistic to think that some guys do get a little tighter when when the stakes are higher. Some guys maybe are, you know, aren't used to as great as it was that they could bond. Some guys maybe aren't prepared to be away from their normal uh, regimen for two weeks. It's just everybody's going to react differently, especially when they've never done it before. And so last week we talked here on the show about how fascinating I I thought it was that Mike McDaniel wanted to create this playoff-like atmosphere before they actually got to the playoffs. But if they're not going to respond, yeah, then that might be a little cause for concern. You got you you. Well, first of all, he has to do it because eventually you're hoping it comes and you want guys to know what that feeling's like. Right. And I believe it will, by the way. I think that this is a good enough football team that eventually it will happen. Now, my question is this. The the first week against San Francisco was execution. 100%. There was plays to be made. Just Tua was off. And awful. Um, But the second week was a scheme thing. Like, the way they positioned... The, the the DBs over the wide receivers, the way they got depth with the linebackers, that was a scheme thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, there wasn't enough plays to really get what the adjustments would be. Yeah. But I'm curious to know if they're going into this game here um, because Buffalo def- definitely has the horses to do the same thing San Diego, I mean, uh, Los Angeles did. All right, I feel better. I'm, I'm curious to know, do you feel that they're going to have something to counter that before the game starts in case they see it? Because that, like, it, was a, it wasn't a talent thing. What happened against the Chargers was purely schematic. And what they did made it tough on the Dolphins' offense. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a great question, and you know we'll have to see what happens. Right. I would like to think. I mean, Mike McDaniel is clearly a very smart guy. He came in mm-hmm. with a reputation of being very smart, and we're talking football smart. We know he's we know he's smart. He went to Yale, but we're talking football smart. He came in uh, with the reputation of being a genius when it comes to offensive football. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of that. We've seen incredible creativity. We've seen explosiveness out of this Dolphins offense like we haven't seen in decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last two games, you know, they've gotten they, – they've struggled for, for different reasons. I would like to think that they're not going to just line up and try and do the same thing and say we're not going to account for this. And he even said that, right? They asked him about are people playing you differently. He said that started in week two. You know, that's right. that's what happens in the NFL. Nobody sits there and tries to play the team they saw in week one in week seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. There, everybody's making adjustments throughout the year, and that's the way it works. And sometimes you get it right in games and sometimes you don't. Right. Uh, he took some ownership of what happened against the Chargers. I, I think there was, you know, some you can make an argument that maybe they should have run the ball more. They ran almost – they had almost five yards of carry. And yeah. while there were certain plays that just got stuffed, they're also, you know, they they were moving the pile a little bit, and then they had a couple, you know, big gainers, and and maybe just when your offense isn't clicking in the passing game, it would be nice to take a little more time off the clock and maybe get a first down, you know, because you went three yards, four yards, six yards, as opposed to having to get 15, 18 every time. But they're going to have to make those adjustments because, and they're also going to have to adjust the way they're playing anyway. Because I don't know that you can go throw the ball all over the yard if we see weather like we saw in Buffalo this past weekend. Well, the other problem is is that you 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 really, from an offensive perspective, it's hard to do all those things with only forty plays. 
Right. And and so you're talking about two. It was three for 15. So that means whatever game plan you had, you only had like 25 to 30 more plays to figure it out. That's tough. Right. Well, and that's because they weren't converting those first downs, right? right? You get yeah. more plays by moving mm-hmm. the sticks, and right. so they weren't doing that. If you go look at what their third down percentage was, it was absolutely was it were they zero for seven or something? And it was absolutely abysmal, and you know that's why you don't have as many chances. And and then and not only were they not converting third downs, and OJ brought this up on the post game show, is it was third and ten, third and eleven, third and nine, third and twelve, never in good they, situations, I mean, consistently yeah. mm-hmm. in third and forever, and that's a tough way to make a living. Yep. Talking to Seth Levy, you guys catch him on the Fish Tank Podcast with OJ McDuffie and our post-game coverage here on 56W QAM with Travis Wingfield. Um, you know what I always like to play a little McCoaching? <laughs> Want to see how much you feel this might be a subtle... Everybody's not like you, dude. What do you mean? Like, he, he thinks... Go ahead. This is my favorite part of the show, by the way. I just want to know, Seth, how much of you feels like this could be a subtle dig at those crybaby Bills who were, oh, the sun, oh, it was so hot, boo-hoo. Listen to what Mike McDaniel has to say about playing right. the weather and tell me whether or not you think the coach taking a little backhanded pot shot at the, uh, at the Bills. I mean, it's all in, in how you use it. You know, I think that it's kind of like, uh, you know, playing in Miami, all right? It's, it's hot we're used to it being hot does that mean we win every game i mean it the the course of the game can be influenced but it, you know you still have to play in the same um temperature and climate or as the opposing team just one's more used to it than the other so you know i think that's something that um you have to be real and um up front that you know hey, it's going to be cold but it's also something that no one cares. The, the box score doesn't read asterisks. It was cold. Everyone's going to be experiencing the same temperature. Uh, so I, I don't plan on um, using that as an excuse in the, in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Could be something. Could be something. Funny. So, so I, I, you know... One of my roles in the postgame show, I love, they call me the press conference consigliere, and so I, I'd like to think I'm pretty good at analyzing what a coach is saying here. I think you're trying to back yourself into a narrative. I think you're fabricating. Nope. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! I told you he did nothing! Nah, I think he's heard the worst. I, I no think one he cares. stated facts. He does not want his players to have an excuse. Mm. Um, it, it just so happens that for the first time in the in the forever history of this rivalry that Bills fans lost their minds because it was hot out. It it's wasn't crazy, Bills who, who complained. It was Bills fans. They were reflection. I don't think that that's the coach saying that. He's saying that this is exactly what it is. Hmm. You know, like, like we're not going to make it an excuse. It is something that's there. They're more used to it, but we both got to play in it. And, and and I think that's it. I th- I really am taking it at face value. Now he's really great at the callbacks and the subtle jabs, or not jabs, but he's you know the sarcasm. He's fabulous at those things. I don't think that's what you heard here. Interesting. I mean, I'll take your your opinion on this <laughs> under advisement. I don't agree with it, but I take it under wait, advisement. Wait, 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 because if it would have went the other way. Yeah. He would have been, see, see, he would have been in my Crap. face. I can't rule that and out. Like, and now he's like, I'll take it under advisement. <laughs> I don't agree with you, but like, yeah. What do you got? That's con- it. Dates out. Minus one for instigate. What? Yep. 
That's we get a minus one. one. Can I, be a, I love it. I'm part of that's my first ever. I, no, I not you. One. He got it. No, but I was a part of the. Oh, okay. All right. The setup. I've All only right. heard this from afar. What uh? What do you got coming up on the Fish Tank Podcast this week, Seth? <laughs> well, today, uh, today we we just launched an episode. It's Richie Owens. Richie only played here for two years. I don't know if folks remember Richie or not. He was a defensive end that came from. Um, we'll call them the Washington Commanders now. They weren't the Washington Commanders at that point in time. But he, he started his career in Washington, came down, played two years here, had eight and a half sacks his first year. It was 1999 uh, and, and was a, a, another great just pass rusher that year where you had JT, you had Richie, you had Trace Armstrong, Kenny Mixon, Lorenzo Bromel. But what's cool about Richie is the guy was a fine arts major in college. You don't get a whole lot of 285 pounds, six, six guys who who were graphic designers, study fine arts in his post playing career. He worked for Sears and Roebuck designing like their catalogs and their things. And yeah, I mean, it's, I'm looking at your face, Tobin. And so it's a really cool thing. Very intriguing. Um, Guess what, Seth? I did play with somebody. Did you? Yeah. Um, my my guy down yeah, in dude, uh, um, the painter. I'm deflecting the, the truth. The center. Uh, the center. Um, why, why am Steve I? Steve Everett. Steve Everett. Steve okay. Everett was a, a a graphic arts guy, and he used to do all of our because I played with him in Michigan and in Cleveland. And you know how they have the playbook for each week. He right. would design the cover. I love yeah, it. As long as we played with him, so right. Yeah. But how rare is that? I mean, how many? Well, guys he's. Did you play let me with tell your you. Entire career. He's an odd bird now. Yeah, well, Steve, so, you know. Steve's an odd bird. I mean, last hurricane that hit, I was catching up because he lives in Key West. And I say, hey, where are you going? He goes, I got my boat. I'm out here with my family on the golf. <laughs> That's what I'm like. With his family? Yes. That's what I'm like, he says, I, don't drag your poor He says, I'm taking the right? boat around. And I'm like, hey, man, right. um, you like need somewhere to go? Now I'm good. <laughs> like, well, Richie's unique. I don't know if he's that wild, but no, it was good, and he was open. One of the things I love about the show is that guys seem to open up a little bit. He talked about being disgruntled in Washington, and then maybe some things that happened here in the transition from Jimmy when he left and Dave Wanstead took over, and and, and just uh, uh, you know where he felt that he was as a football player and where he is in in his current life. Um, we like all that, the human interest, the, the, cool. the narrative-driven mm-hmm. stories. We can talk X's and O's all day. We know that's what drives the train, but it is fun to do that. And I'm not sure if it's going to be this following Tuesday or the week after that, but we just wrapped up an interview with Pete Stoyanovich today, and, man, was it a treat. That's cool. It was so cool. Awesome. I can't believe how many – and we'll talk about it when the episode does drop, but I just can't believe how many big moments in this, in this franchise's history that Pete Stoyanovich was a part of. Well, check it on out. The Fish Tank Podcast. Seth Levitt, OJ McDuffie do a fantastic job with that. And you, of course, can hear them coming up this uh, Saturday night on the postgame show with Travis Wingfield and uh, hopefully recapping a Dolphins win against the Bills. We appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Seth. Thank you for having me. I hope that it's a uh, a, a nice, cozy 72 degrees in the studio for that game. And that <laughs> we will not be using that as an excuse, regardless of how bad the postgame show is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week, Seth. Thanks so much.